You are Locked On Women's Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal. Remind you, you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On WBB. And of course, I want to tell you about the new and exciting The Next, thenext.substack.com, uh, a tremendous staff, a young, diverse staff who you've come to know and trust, all the work they've done at High Post Hoops for the last few years, whether it's Jackie Powell on the Liberty or Ari Chambers on the League at large, make sure you go to thenext.substack.com. And of course, our sponsor is Built Bar. Built Bar creates chocolate bars that I can eat and not feel badly about after I go and work out, and it doesn't make it all for naught. So I am here today with somebody I always love to speak to on any subject, basketball or otherwise, and there's a lot going on in the world, so there's a lot for us to get to, and that's Amanda Zowie B, Center for the New York Liberty. Uh, Amanda, first of all, thank you for joining us. Thank you. We were talking a little bit off air before, before we got here, just about the current state of things and how, in a lot of ways, it's the world coming around to the things that you have been public and vocal about for a long time. And I, mm -hmm. I, want, I want to read a quote that you gave from a speech uh, I've cited uh, a few times since you made it in 2019, talking about a prize you were awarded. This prize mm -hmm. is for all of us who are too thick, too long, too black, too dark, for girls and for boys, for us who are different. God loves us because we are different. So to all of you who do not know how, dare or can stand for their own rights and what you are passionate about, I stand here for you. For all of you who stand up for your rights and show that we can spread love, I stand here with you. For someone who wrote those words, who delivered those words, mm -hmm. what have the last few weeks felt like seeing people <laughs> around the world doing just that? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> it is, it's a beautiful thing. It's beautiful that people are... Um, I want to use the word finally, um, realizing that they have a voice and a platform and they know what's going on in the world, uh, what's been going on for hundreds of years, um, and that people are finding the courage to um, not only speak up for themselves, but for others, being an ally, um, being a moral and mental support, you know, or just simply say, I am tired of the shit. And I'm standing up for my own rights. Mm -hmm. um, it's a beautiful feeling. Uh, and it just sucks that we actually have to do it. It's true that what has prompted this is yet another in what feels like this unending series of tragedies that we're all seeing, that we're all hearing. And for a lot of people, it feels more like they're just choosing not to unsee it instead of a recognition or an understanding that should have been in place some years ago. When you think, though, about what the movement's opportunity is in 2020, what are, what are measurable ways that you'll feel like something good has come from this tangible going forward beyond the conversation? What are, what are some markers that you're looking at? Um, well, I think the first thing that comes to mind is that people are acknowledged and allowing themselves 
to feel a certain way, right? And mm-hmm. speak up about it. Um, I think that in today's stage that we are on right now, um, people are tired of just having someone's name being a trend uh, on Instagram and a hashtag and then move on with their lives. Because this is something that we carry with us every single day. And um, that people find that courage to be, you know what, I, I'm, I'm allowing myself to say that I'm tired. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm tired of policemen being brutal and murdering people on the street and then walking free. You know, um, I'm tired of white people killing black people for no damn reason and actually speak on it and and feel like they have the right to be tired. Um, I think that's the most powerful thing. And um, that is one thing that I that I see, because now it's a it's like a domino effect. Right. Mm-hmm. I see someone that express themselves on Instagram and it's like, I can do this because I'm not alone. I know I'm not alone in this. And I think that it's just going to keep on going and people, people starting to see us and hear us. Um, yeah. And when I say people, I'm talking about the people that not necessarily are racist, but they are ignorant. They are not really in tune with what is really going on. They are living in their own bubble. You know, they they never stood up to a family member that that said some inappropriate things. Now it's like, hold up, <laughs> I just saw 15 videos on Twitter about people talking about Black Lives Matter, and I never thought about it. But now I'm gonna stand up against my grandfather. You know, sure, so for like comfortable a, silence. Yes, exactly, mm-hmm. and um, I think this is a great start. <laughs> Obviously, it's. It's not where we want to be. We do not want to be out in the streets and protest, especially mm-hmm. with a virus going on. Right. Um, but it things it, it's something that needs to be done, and um, we can't just sit at home. No. You know, people out protesting. Um, I went with my best friend um, here in Stockholm, and we went and demonstrated, and we saw so many people from all different corners of the world. And she actually pointed it out to me. She said, hey, look, like, it's not just black people out here. Mm-hmm. And there were white people crying and hugging each other and like really tired of it. And I don't I don't know these people, but I feel like they know that we have a heart just like they do. Yeah. And and again, the the makeup of it all. I, I remember I happened to be out on assignment in St. Louis uh, during the protests that followed uh, the police killing of Michael Brown. And mm-hmm. that was very much a protest that was drawn along racial lines. And it was fundamentally different, even just a few years ago, from what I feel like we are seeing both geographically and demographically in the Mm -hmm. current movement. And that leads me into where you and your platform and the platform in women's basketball comes into play. And Mm -hmm. so you shared a tweet uh, that was written back on, on June 9th by Joel Leone, and it said, there are so many black stories that want to be told, need to be told, deserve to be told. Our collective duty is to tell them all. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I am an avid follower of yours on Twitter, and when I saw it, what I flashed back to instantly was 2016 and walking mm-hmm. into that New York Liberty locker room 
after a game against the Indiana Fever and the decision made by your team collectively, and that was your first year, obviously, in New York, mm-hmm. and that collective decision made that even though the WNBA had decided to find players mm-hmm. who had stood up, that you all were going to make it clear how you felt and not stand for it. And mm-hmm. so I, I have two questions about this. One is, uh, I spoke to Tierra Ruffin Pratt, who led these protests down in D.C., in the Mystics locker room during that time mm-hmm. and has firsthand experience dealing with police violence against her own family. But I wonder how much you internally feel like this was a turning point for the lead and how much this was a turning point for the public discussion of all that followed because this predates Colin Kaepernick. This predates Megan Rapino. You guys were in fundamental ways the first public voice here. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very powerful, you know, um, especially being my first year, like you said, um, with New York and having great leaders on the team. We had Swin, we had Tanisha and Tina, you know, Carolyn Swartz was there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like being a part, a part of that with, uh, grown women who have so much knowledge about life, um, coming from different places in, in America and you know it felt it felt good it felt good to stand up for what we believe in and what what we think and feel um it's sad that we actually have to do we have to do it then we have to do it now but you know like it's a it's a beautiful thing yet very disturbing and i think that kind of sums up how i've been feeling lately as well Mm -hmm. um you know, we stood up for something that we believe in, and, and we pushed it. And even when the league uh, wanted to find us, um, we kept we kept wearing our black T-shirts. Tina kept leading that pack. Yeah, we uh, wearing her all black T-shirt, um, even when this <laughs> say so was no. Mm-hmm. And with that platform that comes with playing in the WNBA is huge, and you can really make your voice heard. And we are more than just athletes, right? That that's the that's the whole saying. We are more than just athletes, but it is really true. Like we just don't dribble a ball. Like we are humans, and we have the right to feel and express to express our feelings and thoughts just the way we want to. Yeah, and, and the, there's that image, I, and I remember it happening in person. But I've I've gone back and seen the pictures after the fact of mm-hmm. Tina had one Player of the Month and Mm -hmm. uh, is posing with that trophy and wearing her blank t-shirt and registering Mm -hmm. that protest. And and I I will never forget that feeling walking into that locker room and knowing that I I would have the opportunity to amplify. And, And the reason that all of us in media have a chance to amplify that is because of the existence of the WNBA, right? The reason why there is a public accountability from your platform is because there is this platform that exists. And, and, and the reason I'm bringing that up is because it strikes me, it seems to me that at the root cause of so many of the things that we are fighting together, and I, I, I am doing everything I can as an ally to, to enjoin that fight, now, before, and moving forward, 
and we can always do more to be sure, but it matters because there's an underlying lack of value in black lives. You know, the, the phrase black lives matter is something that reflects an indifference at the, at the root cause, at the, at the heart of it, mm-hmm. not just racism, indifference too. And so I guess, mm-hmm. I guess my question for that is how much you see the WNBA and, and really more the idea of women of color in positions of prominence as itself a way to fight back against that pernicious indifference. Um, well, the, the first thing I want to say, um, when it comes to the W is like, we, I I don't, I can't speak on other leagues, uh, because I never played in another league, uh, another sport, but in the W, we are truly a family. All of us are family. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's this togetherness that right now you feel it extra. We are apart from each other. We're supposed to be playing against each other. Um, we are all in different places in the world, and you feel this connection. Um, Sid Colson asked everyone to send in videos yeah. uh, of saying "My Life Matters," and 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 she put it together, and it's a beautiful thing, right? We have that, we have that togetherness that we we want to change the world together, you know. Mm-hmm. It it's more than just competing against each other. In the end of the day, we are all sisters. Uh, whether doesn't matter how much we like each other on the court, you know what I'm saying? That's on the <laughs> side. But um, I think uh, Cheyenne Parker uh, posted a video. She was sitting in her car and, and she was crying and she was tired. Mm-hmm. And you feel that. Like, you really feel that in your core. Like, I want to hug her. I want to hug my sister. Yeah. Because she's not alone in this fight. And I think us together using those plat- platforms some of us have a bigger platform than others um but we are all fighting together you know when when that is the case and it and it's so evident you know anyone who covers this league for any period of time it it's so clear the family atmosphere that is part of the league and and even people on opposite teams and and quite frankly battles on the court that stretch me as part of a family atmosphere as well. <laughs> that makes sense to me. <clears throat> but there's that has to be for you an emotional driver to want to return above and beyond the obvious thing, which is that if you are able to play at the WNBA level, you are a competitor like few people in this world are competitors. But driving you to feel that return. And so I'm wondering, just as as a player, as someone who wants to be with her basketball family, how often do you think about it? And how do you deal with this delay that's unprecedented in our history? Um, <laughs> I'm like, I just want to hoop. But at the same time, like, there are bigger fish to fry right now, right? right? Um, one is our health. Um, well, that is really what's stopping us. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not the first thing, but um, and then everything else that's going on um, with racism and race and injustice and inequality. Um, I want to be back with my sisters. I want to be back with my girls. Um, I already know that I'm a, 
hug all the rookies like I've known them <laughs> my whole life. We got six of them. So, I'm saying a lot of rookies to hug. It's true. Yeah, but you know, like, that's just, I just want to be back with my girls, make sure that they are cool and yeah. not physically, but mentally being able to sit in a room and, you know what I'm saying, like, how are you really doing? We can we we do it over text. That you know my my teammates are the greatest. I have rookies checking on me because they know I'm very um, passionate and and very emotional. We have had these conversations already, mm-hmm. and, and and they check on me like, how are you really doing, Zawi? And and I check on them. I talk to um, nurse and Beck about it, and it's like a feel where you just want to sit and you can breathe out together and be like, okay, cool. Now we're here. How are we making? How are we going? make even bigger difference how are we gonna take all of our platforms together in the same room and and make a change like what is the next step we are going to take uh together do you visualize it do you do you think about it do you do you imagine it is that part of your process right now oh yeah oh yeah definitely um especially with uh having such a young team Mm -hmm. um i think that if we can be together and just lead the way, but also let the younger minds help us, you know, mm-hmm. they're coming into the league with a, with a clear view. They have no idea what's really about to happen. <laughs> uh, I was on the orientation call with, with the rookies in the league. And I was like, y'all won't really know what's going to hit y'all until it hits you. Like, you know you're in the WNBA now, but until you play against BG and DT and Skyler, <laughs> it mm-hmm. won't hit you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, outside of basketball, too, you have, like, um, so many humans and players in this league that, that are doing more than just basketball. You got Sid. Um, you got Natasha Cloud. Like, you have so many. Um, Imani is not in the league now, but she's a great voice for mm-hmm. all different communities and i think that's the beauty of of us being able to sit together even if we don't play in the same team like you know i might sit with whoever izzy harrison and talk i i'm excited i I covered imani and now she's going to be on the united states supreme court someday so i think that's that's a very exciting development as far as i'm concerned and you know you said that the rookies don't really know what's coming but the the truth is None of us really do, right? I mean, you know, what, what's about to happen, and obviously for it to happen, player safety needs to be accommodated. Uh, the league needs to do some things that essentially no league has ever done before. And we'll be right. moving as one of the first to do it. National Women's Soccer League begins end of June, but for the most part, it's going to be uncharted territory. And I guess I wonder how you go about like, what are your personal ideas about what constitutes proper safety in this time that is so unknown and how, how you even go about figuring that out? What, what are your sources to figure it out even? Well, well, first, when I said that about the rookies, I meant like basketball-wise. Oh, like, sure. Once, yeah, yeah, like forget about the situations that we are in now. Like you, the, when you play in the WNBA, you feel it. <laughs> Physically and mentally. So that's what I was referring to, um, just playing wise. And the good news is no one has to go to Tulsa in order to do it. So that's, you know, a net positive, I think, universally. But I I love Tulsa. Yeah? 
Yeah, Tulsa Tulsa. was great, huh? I I take it back. That Skyler yeah, Smith has talked about not right. loving Tulsa as much, but um, well, we we are different, eh? Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. I, I you are uh, on the record as pro Tulsa. Yeah, um, but. You know, I just take one day at a time. I'm trying to focus on what I can't control. And right now, that's just staying as healthy and, and ready as possible, you know, to my best ability. Um, everything else, like when the W or the union or whoever uh, decides to send us more information, that that's how I take it. And then I shat it up with my teammates. Mm -hmm. um, I'm There's so much going on right now. I'm just trying to stay healthy. Yeah. Um, and and I and I'm trying to stay sane. You know that this is probably one of the biggest mental battles that all of us ever had um, as as a unit. If we're talking worldwide, mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's a lot. It's a lot mentally. You it's know, we we are used to we are used to playing and being around different people, and now most of us are stuck at home. Like, I haven't been home this much since I was 15. I'm turning 27. <laughs> it's different. It is different. On top of it, you know, everything feels like it's, I don't know if it's going against us or if it's just rising up to the surface. But, mm -hmm. yeah. It, it, something is coming to a head and figuring out the positives and the negatives that go along with it is hard. It's, it's really true. I, I, I would be remiss not to talk about what on the court looks like for the Liberty, because there's so many differences. And first and foremost, and everyone I've spoken to about this reiterates it, this feels like, to my mind, the opportunity finally for you to get the type of usage that you should have had since you came into the league. This is an opportunity <laughs> for you, <laughs> you and I have talked about this, going back some years, right? Now is an opportunity for a volume scorer to get the opportunity to get volume shots. And just as as that player alone, and, you, and you've done this overseas too, and you've done this at the collegiate level, you've had the opportunity to do this everywhere else, how much are you relishing the chance to be that type of on-floor leader who's going to need to be, you know, Option one, option two, when it comes to how this team scores. Um, and this is like very humble me, but I'm just really excited to be out there on the floor with my teammates. And I have, I spoke with the rookies yesterday and actually some friends today about different roles. I played every single role you can imagine on the team. Mm -hmm. uh, I've gone from playing zero minutes, thought of sudden starting, um, just guarding the biggest player and not touch the ball on offense. Like, I've had every kind of role. So I am I'm mentally ready to take on whatever role Coach Wall has for me. Um, I know each game is going to look different. I am excited to be a part of, you know, the rotation where I'm going to get looks, you know probably more often than I ever had in this league. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I just want to hoop with my girls, <laughs> really. <laughs> and th and that, is, that is very true. That That's how I feel. I, I really sure. just want to play some basketball uh, well, with my girls, and it's going to be super dope. I mean, offensive end, it's true, though. You're going to get more looks. Defensive end, and, and people do not talk about 
you at the defensive end enough, but your steal percentage doubled last year, your block percentage more than doubled last year. So having the opportunity to combine (laughs) that with a usage rate that, you know, forgive my my nerdum, um, is it, it needs to be 25 or higher as far as I'm concerned in order to maximize what you are able to do. I mean, that's the profile of an all star. And so I, I get that. I get wanting to be part of a team and doing whatever it takes. And the reason why you've been such a valuable contributor everywhere you've gone is precisely that. But there's an opportunity here for you to show your game. And now, if the lead comes to pass in late July, it's a chance to show off your game at a time where more of America may even have an opportunity to see it, where more of the world's eyes may be focused on the WNBA. Does that, does that excite you? Does that the chance to be mm-hmm. able to really, at long last, show who you are? You know, whatever we have to say about Tulsa as a city, you didn't get a chance to do it there. You, you have been delayed, in, to my mind, getting the opportunity for the world to see your skill level on a regular basis. It, it, what's the, what is the level of excitement for that? Oh, you know what? The way you put it, I have never thought about it like that. So it actually made me a little bit excited. Uh, <laughs> Good. Um, uh, what was I going to say? But yeah, um, it's always exciting when you get the chance to really show who you are and what mm-hmm. you can do. Uh, I think I'm really excited to just, you know, I'm going into my sixth year. Um, I'm going to be one of the oldest in the team just to grab everything that I've learned and all of the experiences that I've gained throughout these years mm-hmm. um, and just showcast it, you know what I'm saying? Just show everyone that actually I, I, I belong in this league. Like I've lasted this long and uh, I want to put some respect to my name. <laughs> I, well, it, it is long overdue. Uh, the, the last thing I'm going to leave us with is that for all of the actions that you've taken, for all the work that you've put in, it seems to me from the outside, like you are fundamentally hopeful. And I see you up, you know, at a point of personal privilege. While I cover the games, my family come to Liberty Games. And so my children have met you and you always take Mm -hmm. that extra time to visit with them, to visit with the kids who are there as well. You've been this force for good in all of these ways, large and small. Mm -hmm. When you think about the future, are you hopeful today? Mm-hmm. Should we all be hopeful today? If Can you provide a measure of hope to uh, our audience? Absolutely. I am very hopeful in everything <laughs> that I do and everything I believe in. Um, there's always a light, right? And I try to spread that. Um, I always say that the reason why I'm on earth is to spread God's light. Mm-hmm. And his light is hope and love so yes i would be wrong if i said anything else <laughs> <laughs> well amanda zowie b i am always happy to get the chance to chat with you and i'm grateful my listeners are as well uh, that you took the time thank you so much for your time cannot wait to cover you remotely in person barclays would be nice uh, very very soon <laughs> beautiful thank you <laughs>